Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. I just can't take this anymore. I can't do it. I give up. I am done. We've all been there, haven't we? We've said those kinds of things. Maybe it was about our homework or about our family or about our job. Sometimes, maybe even about God. Today, we hear more from the bread of life, about the bread of life for us, and how Jesus, the bread of life, sustains us, even to eternal life. We'll hear more about that in our service and our sermon today. Let's begin by singing our opening hymn, 580. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Because we are all sons and daughters of the Lord, we are called by him to repent of our sins. Let us go before our God and ask for his forgiveness, knowing that the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins.
Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Cleanse me, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace.
Let us pray. Eternal God, your Son, Jesus, is the bread that comes down from heaven that we may eat and not die. Give to all who feast on him boldness to serve you without fear. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated for the scripture lessons. Our first lesson today, taken from 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah was ready to be done. He wanted to die. He was a prophet of the Lord, yet he was being hunted uh, for serving the Lord. We see in this incident that the Lord sustained him to continue serving him, and the Lord does the same for you and me. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the word of our God. We continue with the psalm.
Our second lesson today, taken from Hebrews chapter 5 and 6, the Jewish Christians in Rome were being tempted and were close to turning away from the bread of life from Jesus. Yet the author to the Hebrews reminds them that Jesus is better, and here he says, we've got some growing to do, growing in our faith, going from milk to solid food, maturing. We have much to say about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. This is the word of our God. stand in honor of the gospel. The gospel for today serve as the basis for our sermon from John chapter 6. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, 
which I will give for the life of the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn, 358. of Jesus, fellow believers, who is the only meal we need for our soul. Throughout the world, there are various ways to express thanksgiving for somebody who prepares and presents to you a fantastic feast. A little bit of research I did said that in Japan you're supposed to slurp your noodles. It says that the noodles are really good. And you really like them. In some areas, outside of the United States borders, you don't want to finish your plate. You don't want to eat everything that's on the plate because that tells the chef that person didn't present to you enough. They held back for whatever reason and 
and they laid it up short. And so if they see your plate is finished, they're going to give you another full plate of food. And if you finish that plate, they'll keep bringing you plates of food until you don't finish it. So in a way, it's thankfulness to not finish the plate. In other areas, yeah, if the meal is really good, you're supposed to burp after the meal. It says that you're satisfied and you had your fill. And of course, it's an expression of thanksgiving for just a tremendous feast again. So I didn't spend a lot of time on this, but I, I did look at a number of articles. And of the research that I did, do you know, there's one method in all of the cultures, in all of the different ways you express thankfulness, appreciation, of all of the things I saw, there's one method that was never a part of any list. Grumbling. For such a feast, there's no grumbling at the chef. To express thankfulness, you don't grumble before the meal or after the meal. I mean, even the stomach, after you've finished eating, when it's really good, the stomach stops grumbling. The stomach is satisfied. It's appreciative for what it just had. And I think you can make the application or the statement that in a general way across the world, it would be a universal insult to any culture or place to grumble before or after a feast that's been presented to you. Two Sundays ago, Pastor Bodhi talked about the feeding of the 5,000 and the people had a fantastic feast. Last Sunday, we had the appetizer sermon where the people were supposed to see that appetizer of the miracle and see all the more about Jesus Christ and who he was. And so now they traveled, last time, across the lake. They worked for food that was about to spoil. They wanted more for their belly last Sunday. And Jesus shaped them to finally come forward and say, we want something more. We want food that's going to last. Sir, they said, give us this food that we will never hunger again. That's what we want for our soul. And so Jesus served it up to them. He set before them the food that will give them eternal life, the food that comes from heaven. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And the reaction was immediate. Listen to this. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Ugh! This sounds disgusting. We don't want to eat this. This is the same old meal. We've heard all of it. We just want food for our bellies. What did we get? Another sermon? Another devotion? We didn't come here for this. He sounds like the Pharisees. He sounds like the priests. He sounds like the scribes. He sounds like all of these other religious leaders that are talking about God and religious stuff. This isn't what we're interested in. In fact, 
we know where he comes from. We know his hometown of Nazareth. We know his parents. We know the kids that he grew up with. This is all the same stuff. He has earthly roots. How in the world can he talk about eternal things and that he's from heaven? This meal that he's serving doesn't make sense. It sounds disgusting. We want nothing to do with it. <clears throat> and so they did the worst thing they could. They grumbled. They resisted it. Do you understand that um, grumbling itself, certainly it's a term that, uh, for a physical thing that can happen. The stomach can grumble. It can sound loud. Um, but here in context, that's not the use that it's, that it's having. The term grumbling in context of what these people are doing, the term grumbling refers to an expression of their mouth. It refers to <clears throat> the rolling of the eyes. It refers to the furrowing of the eyebrows. And it refers to a body posture that's tightening, stiffening. Because deep down, all of these outward expressions are displaying what's going on in their mind. The term grumbling is really referring to a mental stubbornness at what Jesus just said to them. I'm the bread of life. And then the term grumbling means really this is an unspiritual action that they are not slurping the food Jesus really is on the plate that he just served before them from God himself. I, I, hope, I hope you see today that grumbling is really an, an offensive and terribly wicked sin. What, what grumbling really is when they did it here in the text, when we do it today, grumbling is really an expression of, of I know better. I know better than God. I know what I need for my life. I'm the boss. And we have sayings like that. The consumer is always right, right? I mean, the customer is always right. That's not the case here. They're really saying to Jesus, we think you should do this and be that and you should say this and you should act like this and you should meet our expectations. After all, we're the eaters. I mean, what arrogance. Does the arrogance get any higher than that to say to the face of God, to grumble before the face of God that we know what's best for our consumption? that we know what you should be saying in the word of God and it's not what you're saying to us right here. People don't learn. Um, and the reason why I say that people don't learn and maybe even more that, that we don't learn is that this whole scenario in John 6 has been acted out before. This whole scenario that we have for our devotion this morning, this is nothing new. Do you understand in the Old Testament, their forefathers did the exact same thing? They acted it out the exact same way? They grumbled over and over again in the desert? When you see these things in Lutheran elementary school or Sunday school, going through these grumbling sessions over and over again, you almost get sick to your stomach. How can they do this again? How can they do this again? This is ridiculous how often they did this. They had manna. They ate manna in the desert as they wandered for a number of years. 
And finally, it came to a point in their wandering in Numbers chapter 11 where they said this to Moses and the Lord. Listen to this. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Remember when times were so much better before the Lord was leading us? Remember the variety and the taste we had back in Egypt's kitchen, back when we were in slavery? You know, if you read through Numbers 11 as a mini assignment later today, you'll see that even Moses as their leader started grumbling and complaining against the Lord. It, it just was terrible. Till finally the Lord responded with this. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat. And you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days, or five, ten, or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? I want you to understand something, that God certainly has the ability to serve up a different plate than the one he offers in Jesus. It's a plate called judgment. There's a saying we have that revenge is a dish best served cold. When God brings judgment, it's not revenge. And he doesn't serve it cold. When God serves judgment, it's a plate of justice that people rightfully have coming. And unfortunately, the ultimate judgment is a dish served very, very warm. You're not going to like it. Their forefathers in the desert didn't like it. When God gives people what they want when they're rebelling in the end, it's not going to be what they want. Because they don't want Him. When the Lord isn't what you want on the plate when he's not the love of your heart and the love of your life, nothing else is ever going to satisfy. Nothing else is ever going to work. Is the Lord what you want? Completely and entirely? Because if we're going to do what the Israelites were trying to do, which is back in the Old Testament, have those desires to just go back to a life of sin, to go back to a life of Egypt, to go back to a life of slavery, that's not going to cut it. It's not going to work for you. If the kind of plate you're looking for is maybe last week when we were talking about the distinction in the plates, the one the world offers, it never satisfies, and the one the Lord offers, which will, 
If we're trying to say, boy, I, I, I like to pick and choose a little bit on this plate, and, and the Lord still has a few tasty things there, I want to mix and mash a little bit with what the Lord offers, and we're going kind of a 50-50, that's not going to work either. Do you know what will? Is what Jesus says in our lesson from John 6. Stop grumbling. Stop complaining. Stop thinking you know better than the Lord. Stop rejecting this message. Stop looking at what God is offering and thinking, uh, I, I just want some better eats than what you're offering on the menu, Lord. Uh, unfortunately, though, that's not even going to cut it. Just stopping sin, stopping the desire to go back to Egypt, stopping the desire from going back to our former lives of sin. What will actually work is what the Lord says. Jesus said this to the crowd. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. God needs to bring you to this meal with a changed heart, with a changed attitude, with a changed mindset, with a completely different outlook on what he's serving you. The only one who can do that for us is the Lord himself to cause us to see this meal is one we really want. And so Jesus expounds on that. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. <clears throat> it is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. And so God draws us with a new heart to come thankfully. God draws us. How does he do that? He draws us by his teaching. And he wins us by his teaching so that we want to be at this feast. Do you understand that means God doesn't cram this food down your throat? You will be a Christian or else. He doesn't force feed you. He leads you in love to want to be at this meal and to devour this as, as if it's the best meal for your soul. And how do you recognize it? He teaches us. This is the same teaching that goes back to Adam and Eve. This, is, this goes back to the first feast that he offered them in the Garden of Eden. He taught, taught Adam and Eve that there's going to be somebody who comes that's going to save you. And Moses and the prophets after that expounded on it and taught the people over and over again and expanded on it when God gave them the word and, and, and fleshed out what this would be. The Christ is going to come. And then in Jesus' day, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, through his teachings, the only thing he added is that it's not just that the Christ would come, it's going to be Jesus Christ who came from heaven. And he connects that menu to himself as the main course. I'm the one God was talking about when he gave this menu. I'm the one who he put on that menu. I am the bread of life. This flesh that I give is going to be for the life of the world. I'm going to be the one who goes to the cross for you. I'm going to be the one who gives my life to die for your sin, for, for the sin of grumbling and the sin of complaining and the sin of resisting the chef and the sin of thinking you know better. 
the sins of wanting to go back to Egypt in your former life because there you thought you had it so much better. Here in Jesus is the complete food that you need. The entire menu from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve, God the Father ordered up this forgiveness for the world and it's found in Jesus Christ. And here it is for you again today for free that your soul gets to feast and be satisfied and have its fill that you need no other meal, no other menu, but what God offers you again today and to trust it completely that it's yours. And so drawn by that teaching, invited by our Heavenly Father, recognizing its fulfillment in Jesus, today we come again thankfully. Today we came to the Lord's house again, grumbling or with a stomach that was hungry, but only for what God had to offer. And today again, he satisfied our soul that nothing from this world can ever do. And he's going to send us away again today, filled up, ready to work for food that endures to eternal life, not wanting anything else to ever be put on that menu, going in complete faith, knowing Jesus is all we need in every way for body and soul. Trust him. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. let us pray. Jesus, you are the bread of life. Forgive our hearts that grumble about what you came to offer us. May we listen to the Father and be led to you. Help us to hunger for you and that you might sustain us to eternal life by faith in you. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the healthy birth of Paisley Jane Girak, born to Dustin and Vanessa last week. Please bless this young and growing family and graciously give Paisley new birth in baptism according to your promise. Holy Spirit, we ask your blessing on the upcoming school year at Manitowoc Lutheran High School starting this week. 
Please give the teachers faithfulness in preparing lessons and in leading the students in your word. Please give the students diligence in their work and use of their gifts to God's glory. Please bless all the support staff and coaches so that all that happens at this school year honors the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the washing of rebirth and renewal by which you save us, especially Archer Marston, son of Rachel and Zach Marston, who will be baptized tomorrow. Keep him strong and growing in Christ. Bless his parents and family to encourage him and lead him back to your word each week. Lord Jesus, thank you for uniting Evan Vant Hull and Chantel Moldan in marriage this, past, or this weekend. Help them to grow closer to you and to each other with each passing year. Bless their schooling and preparations for serving in the ministry as well. And in Jesus' name we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for our next hymn, 750.
please stand for prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Thank you so much again for joining us in God's house for worship today. A couple of announcements here. Uh, between services now, we'll continue with Family Bible Hour, uh, continuing our trek through 2 Corinthians, uh, today working through some of chapter 8 and the rest of chapter 9. Uh, there's child care provided on the other end of the building if you've got little ones that need to be watched during the Family Bible Hour in the sanctuary. Also yesterday, thanks so much to all who volunteered and made donations and helped out with the car show. Uh, it was a wonderful event, beautiful day, many cars. One thing we'd like to highlight, we can throw it up on the screen too, is the People's Choice winner was Ken's 1957 Ford Fairline. Beautiful car. So that's just the tip of the iceberg with all the, the nice motorcycles and cars and other vehicles that were there yesterday. Uh, this coming Thursday evening is our next edition of the Craftsman's Men's Bible Study, looking at Samson, who had a strong arm but a weak will, how the Lord can give us strength in him. Are there any other announcements that should be highlighted today? If not, then please greet one another who are worshiping around you, and God's blessings on the rest of your week.